Hello, and welcome to the Kiskea Chapel Sermon Podcast. Kiskea Chapel is an international church in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, where we equip English-speaking believers to expand God's kingdom in our community and beyond. For more information about Kiskea Chapel, you can visit us on our website at kiskeachapel.org. We hope you enjoy this message. Here is uh, this morning's passage. It comes from Mark chapter 10. It's the middle of a flurry of activity on Jesus' part that it tells us this, beginning in Mark 10, 13. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Uh, Do you know the difference between these two words, childlikeness and childishness? This is a critical distinction if you're going to understand what Jesus is talking about here. Elsewhere, Jesus is very clear there are certain aspects of being childish that we're not supposed to imitate. But there is a fundamental childlikeness that Jesus says is necessary to enter into the kingdom of God. In fact, Jesus says unless we receive the kingdom like a little child, we don't receive it at all. Uh, we'll see if this works here. We got a video clip that uh, is just way too good. Does he get stuck? Well, you can just relish in how cute that little guy is. <laughs> huh? <laughs> okay, I will translate. <laughs> Basically, this little boy is objecting to his father, he's saying, mama did not give me a kiss when she left. And even worse, she didn't give the baby a kiss when she left. And the dad is on the video and he's saying like, well, are you saying she just went to work? What's up with that? And the little boy says, yeah, what's up with that? (laughs) There he is. Incredible. There's something about a child that Jesus saw that he says must be present if you're going to enter the kingdom of God. Now, please, again, not everything. There's childishness, which we'll talk about in a minute. But there's something unique and different about children that Jesus saw and often illustrated to say, guys, you have to get this. You have to understand this if you're gonna enter the kingdom of God. Well, the context here is pretty simple. Jesus is, uh, as usual in Mark, being followed by one of Mark's favorite words, the crowd. The crowd is pressing in on him and they decide they're gonna get their kids to go see if they can like touch the rabbi. 
By the way, we parents, we do this a lot. I know I had three boys and when they were little and there would be a sports star, I'm pushing them like, get up there, go get his autograph. And it's like, is this for them or is this for me? But that's what's going on here. They're pushing their children towards Jesus and the disciples get very frustrated. They're like, okay, well, uh, Jesus is a superstar rabbi, guys. He does not have time for a bunch of little munchkins here. We, we need to back the kids off so Jesus can get on to more important business. He can't be bothered by these insignificant, snot-nosed little kids. And then in a complete shocker in this passage, Jesus responds. Take a look, a closer look here at verse 14. When Jesus saw this, it says, he was indignant. You know this word indignant? It's only used two times in the New Testament. In fact, it's one of those words that most of us don't associate with Jesus. He was ticked off. He was angry. In fact, the word egonexton in the Greek is basically a word that means Jesus was incensed. He could not believe his disciples were doing this. Isn't that interesting? The only other time we see this word is in Matthew 21. Uh, yeah, Matthew 21, verse 15. And here it says something very similar, except this time is from the other side. When the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things that Jesus did, and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Isn't it interesting the two times we get this word in the New Testament, somebody's ticked off about kids and their role? It's interesting here, Matthew 21. What we know the background tells us is this was a common song that Jewish children were taught to sing about the coming of the Messiah. God's chosen one, and all of a sudden they see him doing these amazing things in the temple courts, and the kids start singing the song they know, Hosanna to the son of David. Here he is, the Messiah's here. And the Pharisees and the religious leaders get indignant. They're like, what? No. Stop them. Stop this. Agonactism. Greek word, once again spoken about children. Isn't that interesting? Both instances where somebody gets really ticked, it's because of the way children respond to Jesus. Well, let's go back to the text we're looking at in Mark chapter 16. Here's an even bigger shocker. Not only does Jesus get angry at the disciples for trying to shoo the kids away, but it tells us in Mark chapter 10, 16, that he took them in his arms and began blessing them and laying his hands on them. Okay, I don't know if I'm accurate in this, but it's almost like Jesus says, okay, time out, we're stopping everything. I'm going to sit here and I'm going to touch every single kid. You guys are going to stand here and wait for me until I'm done doing the most important thing. 
You see, the disciples saw adults as, oh, Jesus, we need to get you in front of the important rabbis and religious teachers, but Jesus didn't see it that way at all. He's like, no, no, these are my people right here, children. Have them come up, sit on my lap. I'm going to put my hands on them and bless them. (laughs) Uh, Jesus had a long history of doing such things. Look at Mark chapter 2. I love this description. It says, many tax collectors and sinners were dining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many of them, and they were following him. When the scribes and the Pharisees saw that Jesus was eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they said to his disciples, why why is he eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners? And hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. You see, it all depends on what you think Messiah was coming to do. If he's coming to heal the sick, where do you go? You hang out with sick people. You go to the hospital. If he's coming to save people who are lost, who are drowning, well, You go to the pool. You go find out where are the drowning people. If you come, as Jesus said, to broker a new birth, you must be born again. Where would you go? Children. The nursery. We get this message over and over again in the Gospels. They didn't want us to miss it. Jesus had a lot more interest in hanging around with prostitutes and tax collectors and well-known sinners than he did with Hebrew scholars and rabbis. Actually, the only harsh words Jesus gives in the New Testament are for religious people. He's like, you guys don't think you're sick, so you don't need a doctor. I'm only going to those who think they're sick. Now, isn't it funny? They were sick, obviously very sick, but they didn't think they were sick. Do we have churches filled with people who don't think they're sick? Worshiping a Jesus who's going to come and save us. By the way, here's a great question. If you want to find out whether someone has childlike faith, ask them a very simple question. What sins has Jesus saved you from? Do you know what church people will often say? Oh, all of them. If you go to an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, you know what they'll say? Oh, man, the list is so long. Let me get my list out here. And they got a long list of things. They go, these are things that Jesus saved me from because I was drowning Is it possible that our churches are filled with people who do not have childlike faith, who do not think they need a savior? I mean, yeah, it's great and all that. I'm not opposed to him, but who are not crying out, I need your help, Jesus. There's something about that when Jesus talks about becoming childlike. If Jesus were to show up into this world today, I think there's a darn good bet that he'd 
probably be more likely in City Soleil than he would be in Pellerin. Doesn't mean there aren't people in need in both places. But he'd probably go to the place where people go, I need a doctor. I need to be saved. I need to be rescued. Jesus hated that mentality that honors worldly fame and prestige. But the disciples still didn't quite get this. They still wanted Jesus to be in front of the important people. And they didn't see these little kids as important people. So they try and shoo them away. Very interesting in Mark chapter, or in Matthew chapter 18, parallel passage, it says this, at that time the disciples came to Jesus and said, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Stop right there. Can you believe they actually did that? It's almost like they're saying, hey Jesus, there are 12 of us. Could you rank us from top to bottom? Who's number one disciple right now? (laughs) Did they really think he was going to do that? But they asked him, Who's the greatest? And so Jesus decides to do a little object lesson. It says in the text here, look at it. He called the child to himself and set him before them. Can you imagine that? He sees a little kid. He goes, hey, come over here. Sits in the middle. He goes, guys, do you see this? Now, there's some very interesting stuff about this in early church history. In fact, do you know what the early church thought about this little child that Jesus set in front of them? There's strong early church tradition that that child grew up to be a man, probably the first great martyr of the early church named Ignatius. He was the bishop. Guess who he was number two? Peter was the first in his city. Then was John who discipled a young boy named Ignatius. And so the early church said, yeah, this is Ignatius. That's who it is. He takes this little boy, sets him in front, here's the greatest. They had no idea who that little boy was going to become. There's other tradition that tells us that it may have been Peter's son. Can you imagine that? I I mean, just the picture of Peter's son to me makes me laugh. I'm like, oh man, that's an ornery kid. That's a kid who's done some wacky stuff, and Jesus is like, I'm going to put him in the middle and go, guys, see him? Do you see this kid? (laughs) And then again, he says, in fact, guys, if you cannot imitate this child, you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. It's not just one place that Jesus says this. Multiple times he says you have to become like children. So the question I want to ask this morning is, obviously he's not saying become childish. What is it we're supposed to become like? Well, let me first say what it isn't. It isn't childishness. I I, I can remember years ago I was teaching a class, a preaching class, And there was a student who got up and he gave his sermon. He was so proud of it. He was talking about this passage. He was talking about kids are amazing. They're so good. They're basically good. They share. They're loving. And I can remember the look on the other students in the room who had kids. Like, what what are you talking about? 
I can remember our kids. Uh, I, I have three boys. Again, my oldest boy, he's, he's more peaceable, but he's a leader leader. And his middle brother was that one that was like, I'm not going to fight with you. If you mess with me, I'm just going to wait until you turn around and I'm going to take a phone and I'm going to club you over there. <laughs> it's like, I'll get you. I promise you. It's like, no, Jesus is not saying be like that. I, I, I can't play the clip, but there's an amazing clip here. Actually, it's worth even without the words. You can tell what's going on. We'll see if it works. See that little baby? He's got an iPhone. Happy, happy, happy. Watch what happens when they take it away. <laughs> now watch what happens when they give it back. Here, it's great. Mommy can't stand it. It's like, here, here, you can have it back. Just screaming bloody murder. <laughs> okay, now watch this. Total quiet. Tantrum's over. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? I love that. that. That is not what Jesus is talking about. He's not saying, I wish you all would become childish and throw a tantrum when you don't get your way. That's not what it means to become childlike. Childishness, uh, in fact, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, he says, hey guys, it's time to grow up. We got to let go of our childish ways. So it's an odd thing. You cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you come childlike. But once you enter, God wants you to grow into maturity. He wants you to stop acting childish like the whole world revolves around you and your iPhone. It's a very interesting thing. So let's talk about, so if it's not becoming childish and self-centered, what does Jesus mean when he says you must become like little children? Well, there's a lot of things we could put in there. Innocence, responsiveness, simplicity, spontaneity, all kinds of things. But I'm going to focus on two because I think it's where the scriptures focus. Number one, if you're going to be childlike, as Jesus says, the first characteristic is humility. You have to have a sense that you're really lost, that you really need a doctor, that you need help. Do you notice that baby there? Falls over in the tantrum, waiting for mom to prop back up and put the phone back in the baby's hands. Did you notice in the first video that we pantomimed, uh, the baby keeps saying, no kiss, no kiss. Because children have a certain sense of candor, don't they? They say what's on their mind. They do not live in hypocrisy like we adults do. <laughs> I remember uh, when we first, uh, church years ago, I started, uh, we were initially meeting in some people's basement in their lower floor there. And the little kids were with us. And there was a little boy named James Dickinson. I don't remember, it was three or four at the time, you think? I don't remember how old he was. But uh, our piano player was crying and, and she started sharing. A very close friend of hers had died and she was talking about how sad she is 
and how could God do this? And everyone was like, yes, this is so hard. And this little kid, he stops in the middle and he goes, okay, stop. I thought you people told me that when we die, if we believe in Jesus, we go to heaven, right? And everyone's like, yes. And he's like, so why are you crying? I don't get it. Why is this so sad? You should be having like a party or something. Can we get extra graham crackers? <laughs> and it was like, you know, he's kind of right. We learn as adults to live in duplicity. Do you know what duplicity means? Two faces. We say one thing, but we think something totally different. We learn how to say the right thing in social situations. In America, we call that being politically correct, PC. I don't really mean it, but I know the right things I'm supposed to say in front of people. Kids don't have that filter, do they? <laughs> they don't live in duplicity. I, I remember my father when I was growing up, uh, the man who was the boss of the company that he was in uh, developed a disease that greatly disfigured his face. So it was swollen and it had large lumps all over his face. So he didn't like to go out in public because he was embarrassed, but he, he, sometimes he would. I can remember as a kid being with my father and Jack, this man's name, and a little kid sees him at the checkout at the grocery store, and he keeps pointing at him and saying, Frankenstein, Frankenstein, and the mother's like scrambling to stop him from saying this. Everyone's embarrassed, but that is childlikeness, isn't it? We don't have the ability as children to lie as effectively as we do when we're adults. What we say is kind of what we think. That can be bad, that can be childish at times. But part of what Jesus is talking about here is he's saying, if you wanna enter the kingdom of God, you gotta stop wearing the mask. No place do people wear masks more than in church. They try and pretend like they really haven't done much that needs saving. I'm a pretty good person. Oh yeah, I've made a few mistakes, sure. That is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that the heart is deceitful, Jeremiah says, beyond all things. We are rotten at the core, the Bible says. Otherwise, how else do you explain the news? Just a couple dozen bad people out there doing all this? No. The Bible says that you and I have massive need for salvation, but we continue as adults to try and pretend we don't really need so much salvation. We could just use a little bit of help. Just a little, you know, maybe Jesus could help us out every once in a while when things are tough. To be childlike is to reject the mask and come to God in light of the truth. Not the PC truth, not the socially acceptable truth, but the actual truth. This is why churches are filled with people still trying to earn God's favor. Because they basically think, I am a B-plus student, and I need a little help, God, to get me into the A range. That's just not the truth. It's not the truth. And yet, most of us want to hang on to it. Because humility, the truth about ourselves, is very difficult. 
Heard a story years ago about a man who had a drinking problem, and so he'd often come home late at night just drunk as can be. And one of those nights he wanders home, 2 a.m. in the morning, he's drunk, and his loving wife is like, oh no, not again. She says, honey, it'll be okay. She helps him get his boots off. She helps him get ready for bed. She puts him under the covers. And she kneels down beside the bed and starts praying for him. And she says, God, please help my husband. He's struggling so much with sin right now. That, and the guy wakes up in bed and he goes, shh, don't, don't tell him I'm drunk. Tell him I'm sick. Because we all like to pretend that it's not our choices. That the, the country has done, the situation has done this to us. My parents or lack of parents did this to me. We're always looking for something to explain away our sins. So it's not really our fault. I've been told, I can't remember the phrase in Creole, it's not my fault or it's not my job. Is this a common phrase? It's not just common here, it's common to all human beings. We all want to suggest to God that we're doing pretty well if you could just give me a little bit of help. It's interesting to note, by the way, this is one of the reasons why children ask so many questions. Any of you have kids? You know that's like, what's this? What's that? Can I do this? Can I have that? It's just questions. It's like, stop. Do you know what we learn as adults? We stop asking questions. The interesting thing is the Bible tells us this kills the spiritual life. The spiritual life says there is a giant chasm between me and God and I don't know him at all. And therefore, I better ask questions and learn and learn. But adults start pretending they know God. Think about that for a second. How silly is that? That we actually have people who are like, yeah, I'm, I have a pretty good knowledge of God. It's like, really? Really? It's kind of saying, let's find a frog and say, do you understand quantum physics? It's like, no, frog doesn't get it. There's a massive gap. And yet, as adults, many people in church try and pretend that they have deep knowledge of God. That's why the word theology is such a bizarre adult attempt to define God. It's not all bad. It does cause people to ask some questions. But the amazing thing is we actually have authors who put out, here's the definitive book on God. You're like, Really? That's hilarious. That is really funny. Look at this uh, verse here, Luke chapter 10, verse 21. It says, and, and by the way, the context here, Jesus is walking along the path with his disciples. Again, there's a great crowd following him, and he just like stops in the middle, and here's what he says. He rejoiced greatly in the Holy Spirit, and he said, I praise you, Father, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent, and shown them to who? Children. Isn't that amazing? From Jesus' own mouth, he says, not these people who think they know you, God. You haven't revealed everything to them. They already think they know you. You've revealed yourself to children. 
in their humility. So that's the first thing. If we're going to enter the kingdom of God, Jesus says we have to become humble like a little child. We're aware of our need. In fact, we find it comical when a child, you know, we say, do you want breakfast? Uh, uh, can you imagine a three-year-old saying, no, I got this. Yes, I want breakfast. I'm assuming you're going to go get it for me and put it in front of me and maybe even put it in my mouth. There's a humility there. Well, the second aspect you can see there is dependence. To become childlike is to say, I actually need God. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. What's he mean, poor in spirit? He means the people who recognize their spiritual poverty. Those are the people that will see the kingdom of heaven. And yet we have a whole church system based on saying, let's pretend that we have some people who know all this stuff. We don't know this stuff. We know like maybe the slightest little bit. It's kind of the same way I feel about Haiti. I started coming down to Haiti in 1986 and we'd come for two weeks at a time usually. I thought I knew a lot about Haiti <laughs> until I moved here. <laughs> and now I'm like, I, I, I'm going back to the States in a few weeks for my son's wedding. And I know people are going to ask, well, tell me about it. And I'm like, I, I don't know anything. <laughs> I, I'm learning a little bit, but I no longer have the feeling I used to have like, oh, yeah, let me tell you about what's going on in Haiti. I'm like, I, I don't know. <laughs> Haitians don't know. Why would I know? Uh, I don't know what's going on. I, I just know it's going on. Jesus tells us that children are dependent. Uh, at one point in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, hey guys, look at the birds of the air. Look at the fields. The fields, the flowers are clothed better than Solomon ever was. They don't worry about it. They're dependent on God. They know it. And yet we as adults try and pretend independence. I come from a country who has as one of their primary documents the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> if you want to be a follower of Jesus, you have to start with the Declaration of Dependence. I need you. I need you. <laughs> it's very difficult. Very difficult, isn't it? Jesus says that worry and stress are adult things. Have you ever seen a kid little child who's worried, even if they grew up sometimes in an abusive home, they don't really think about like, okay, what's going to be happening? It's like, can I go play now? Totally different. They assume that stuff. I read a great story about a woman in a car crash on November 20th in 1988. <clears throat> the Los Angeles Times says, a screaming woman was trapped in a car dangling from a freeway transition road in East L.A. She was rescued Saturday morning. The 19-year-old woman apparently fell asleep behind the wheel at about 12.15 a.m. The car, which plunged through the guardrail, was left dangling by its left rear wheel. Half-dozen passing motorists stopped, grabbed some ropes, 
tied the ropes to the back of the woman's car and hung on until the fire unit could arrive. A ladder was extended from below to help stabilize the car while the firefighters tied the vehicle to tow trucks with cables and chains. Every time they'd moved the car, uh, the firemen said, we yelled down to the lady and she said that she was in great pain. It took almost two and a half hours for the tow truck, tow truck drivers and the firefighters, about 75 people in all, to secure the car and begin to put the woman in a safe position. The county fire captain, Ross Marshall, was quoted as saying, yeah, it's kind of funny. The entire two and a half hours we're trying to rescue that lady, she kept saying over and over again, no, it's okay, I'll do it myself. <laughs> this to me is a picture of the reality that the Bible tells us you and I are in dangling by a thread, saying, I got this, no need for help, I think I got this under control. <laughs> to become like a child, you have to say, I don't have this. I need your help, Lord. <clears throat> I remember doing a Bible study on this when my boys were younger. My middle son, Corey, the one about to be married, when I asked the question, so what do you think childlikeness is? He said something very profound to me. I've never forgotten it. He said, Dad, kids have a play in orientation. You have to become an adult before you get a work orientation. And I thought, he's so right. This is what Jesus is talking about. The play orientation says, I'm just going to enjoy this. I'm going to enjoy God's grace. I'm going to recognize my incredible need and that he has saved me even though I was dangling off the cliff. I'm just going to enjoy the ride. It's only adults that start going like, no, I got this. I'll work for it. I'll figure this out. So which are you? Do you come to worship going, okay, if I just do a few more things, maybe I can earn God's favor and he'll go, great, you did it yourself. Or do you come with a play orientation? By the way, that's why worship's the most important thing we do in church. There's nothing to do. Let's just say, okay, we're going to play. We're going to go, God, here's the stuff you've done for us. Thank you. I need you. And the Bible tells us that that's what we will do in the kingdom of heaven for all of eternity. We'll play. If you're somebody this morning that's still trying to work, trying to earn your way before God, if you're dangling off a cliff and you're saying, God, I got this, I got this, I'm okay. If you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, you have to come like a little child. You have to come humble. God, I'm aware of my need. It's not just a little tweak I need. I need a complete resurrection. And you have to come dependent. I know I cannot perform that myself. I can't do it. But you can, Lord. You have offered this to me, and so I gladly receive and I play in the glory of God. I worship you.
humility and dependence. They're at least the beginning of what Jesus meant when he said, unless you become like one of these children, you can't even enter the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father, help us. In my pride, I pretend I only kind of need you. In my pride, I act like I have it under control, like I got this. In my pride, I pretend to others that I actually really know you and know everything about you. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me. Give me the humility of a child that recognizes I know almost nothing. And also, Father, make me dependent like a child. Forgive me for the times that I pretend I'm independent and I can cover this myself and help me realize that your word says that apart from you, I am hopeless. I have no chance of getting up the cliff and back on the road. Teach me to receive your salvation as a gift that I am dependent on in every way. We ask that in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. We hope this message was helpful for you. If you're in Haiti, join us on Sunday mornings where English speakers from all backgrounds, missionaries, diplomats, Haitians, expats, come together to worship, to connect, and to have fellowship with one another. You can find more information about our location, our service times, and our Sunday school program for all ages at our website at kiskeachapel.org. Or shoot us an email at chapelq at gmail.com. That's chapelq at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.